Each of us lives dependent and bound by our individual knowledge and our awareness. All that is what we call reality. However, both knowledge and awareness are equivocal. One's reality might be another's illusion. We all live inside our own fantasies. Y'all, uh, y'all like scene music? Like, for real, for real? Enough to listen to me waffle for hours on end this week? Like y'all did last week? And I say like y'all did last week because for whatever reason, the numbers are there. The numbers that I can see show that people tapped in. And that's fucking crazy. But it's also something that I'm immensely grateful for. So anybody who listened to any portion of the Top 100 Song Series for 2022, thank you so fucking much. If you haven't, um, I ask that you please check that out whenever you have the time. Um, this week, however, is about a different subject matter, that being Top 50 Records. So... Uh, what's going to happen now is I will play the normal intro for the show and then go into rules and regulations that I need to before proceeding into part one, which covers records 50 to 41. Thank you. When I look back on this year with albums and EPs, I feel like record reviews is something that I am still trying to figure out and still trying to understand what it is I actually have set for like a, like a mental criteria for what I look for in uh, these kinds of releases. And I say that because at the start of the year, I felt like I was giving out tens like every week, if not every other week. And when putting this list together, I realized how many of those records I don't believe held up well. And like, that's a, that's on me. Uh, it's not on the band. That's entirely a me issue. Uh, I have slowed down with tens recently and I feel like I will continue to do that moving into 2023. So yeah, there are a lot of records from the start of the year that I was gassing up that will not be talked about today. And again, that's my fault. I really wanted this list to be accurate to what I feel in regards to the entire year. So a record could have been good for, you know, a week or two, but maybe it slipped and then I wasn't really fucking with it that much anymore. Every record here, I feel comfortable and confident in my statement of, I'm going to carry these records with me for a very, very, very long time. And as for any rules and regulations for this episode, there aren't a ton, but it just, uh, like, a short handful to name um so obviously the album slash ep had to have been released in 2022 deluxe editions are eligible provided that the original version was also released this year so for example um obsidian by north lane the regular version and the deluxe version both came out this year Whereas Beauty and Death by Chase Atlantic, the original version came out last year, the Deluxe came out this year, the Deluxe would not be eligible. The release had to have been made up of original material, so no acoustic albums, reimagining albums, nothing of that sort. 
no compilation albums. I don't think there were compilation albums this year that really made a difference to me. Actually, that's not true. There was that, um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the one where, um, like, Sea Space Cowboy covered Seven Years by Sailorson. Whatever that album ended up being, it cannot be on this list. And I feel like that's it. I don't think there's many other rules for me to go through. So, yeah, all that being said, I feel like we can go ahead and now just proceed into the list. So, out of every album and EP this year that I listened to and reviewed on Ulterior, these were the 50 that I picked out and believe in my head. I can justify why they are among the most elite releases all year long. So, yeah, we're going to get started now. Number 50 is Run by Future Palace. This wasn't the debut record by Future Palace. That would have been Escape from 2020. But this was the year where I became aware of the band and I could not just pull myself away from anything that they were doing. I remember reviewing Heads Up at the start of the year for the singles uh, rollout that week or rather that month. And I was like, who is this band? Where did they come from? How do they sound this amazing right now? The car passing by, I hope they agree with me that Future Palace sound fucking incredible on this record. Um, and then even after Heads Up, you go into singles like A World in Tears, which has like this danceable ability and element to the track. And it was something that I think did a good job at distinguishing that song from everything else on Run and give more character and attributes to this album. Um, there is a song on here called Locked. It's my favorite song on the record. Locked just has like that thunderous and really aggressive alt-metal energy to it that I feel like bands really try to capture and sometimes try too hard to nail that essence, but Future Palace fucking did it with Locked. And you look at the closing song, Fever, and the pulsating rhythm that you can hear in the verse, I feel like every element that makes up Run just kind of establishes Future Palace as a band that can really make a mark in the scene in the years to come, and I hope people can understand that off of Run and everything that this album represents when it comes to the establishment of a potential pillar one day. Number 49 is Baku's Revenge by Magnolia Park. I think there is some justification to the sector of the scene who may not really be into Magnolia Park or find their internet presence to be annoying more than anything else. And again, there probably is justification for that. Myself, I see Magnolia Park as a success story this year because almost everything on Bakker's Revenge, I feel like is just batting a thousand really uh the only song i remember in the review i was kind of like whatever on was ghost to you i don't mind that song nearly as much now as i did back when i first heard it i think baku's revenge has a really nice flow to it it starts off immaculately well i think that uh intro song where they're like this is baku's motherfucking revenge it's really entertaining i don't find anything wrong with it and then you go into feel something and then into misfits radio reject these songs they're catchy and they have energy to them and they are some of the most infectious pop punk songs i've been able to hear all year and i feel like Magnolia Park combining all of that together really did something special this year. Number 48 is Welcome to the Chaos by Fame on Fire. 
this is nasty behavior on my part because I have just said all the shit in the world in the past about Fame of Fire, and I still feel that way about their cover material, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to the actual, like, original source material by Fame of Fire, I think Welcome to the Chaos is as big of a turnaround as they could have possibly had from Levels. Levels, I thought, was a kind of a forgettable record, and not long there that I really, uh, like, fucked with. I remember telling somebody, like, hey, you gotta chill out with that Fame of Fire love for Levels, like, it's not that good. Other than Her Eyes, I really don't think that record is anything remarkable. Welcome to the Chaos, though, yes. This album fucking rules, in my opinion. Um, just like from the intro song and how that leads into Welcome to the Chaos featuring Spencer from Ice Sign Kills, there is immediately the establishment of something really catchy that is able to blossom all the way throughout this record. And you got songs like Cutthroat, Emo Shit featuring Cody Levine, Plastic Heart. Like these are songs that have this energy to them and this presence that I don't think, uh, Fame of Fire have ever seen prior to Welcome to the Chaos. The closing song, Dead or Alive, in my opinion, one of the best closing tracks all year for any record. It has everything I need for that sort of like an alt-rock sound to just really flourish and blossom. And I think Fame on Fire found their groove on Welcome to the Chaos. And if they can capitalize on this and, you know, have something along these lines moving forward, I don't have any reason to ever say anything bad about them ever again. Number 47 is Demons Away by Drag Me Out. Something that I feel like I had said in the review for Demons Away back in August was that I do see myself as a, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, honestly, a Dennis Stoff merchant. Because, yeah, I know Dennis, you know, he, he's got his issues. He, there's a reason why he's been removed from every band he's been in or subsequently left or, you know, some matter of that. But I also feel like he has delivered in all those bands, you know, asking Alexandria, make me famous. Like he has done some really solid material with those bands. And I think uh, Drag Me Out is no different. And on Demons Away, I can hear Dennis in all of his glory that I know has been there. And the rest of the band, they hold their own weight. They're able to be star power entities in their own right on Demons Away. I think that the singles roll out, you know, expanding from uh, The Watch of the Buried into Bullets of My Teeth into Crystal Arms, that really set the stage perfectly for Demons Away. And there are so many tracks on here that I'm just able to get lost in and find solace in the kind of style within Drag Me Out that is continuing to build and build, I think. Uh, specifically, the song Blind and Blurred is the third track. I cannot get that song out of my head. It didn't make Top 100, but it was right there. It was one of those songs that was like left over and I, you know, on a good day, easily could have been in that echelon. I think Drag Me Out really shine on Demons Away, and it's always just great for myself to be able to take Dennis Soft material and really be able to champion it like I am this record. Number 46 is Disparity by Ocean's 8 Alaska. So to be completely transparent and give my honest opinion on Disparity as I progress through this entry for number 46, I have to kind of be a little bit negative to start off. Disparity is, to this day, my least favorite Ocean's Alaska record. I don't like it as much as Hikari or Lost Isles, but I still think 
that there is this level of prowess within metalcore that disparity is showing in a really, really big fucking way. Uh, James came back to Ocean's Alaska and just kind of helped, you know, have this base level that they're able to launch themselves off of time and time again. I think the back-to-back stretch that starts off the record, Paradigm and Nova, one of the best back-to-back runs of songs on any album this year. I think you still have the quintessential style of Ocean's Alaska shining through with Shallow Graves, Soul, Plague Speech. Like, there is a lot on this record for me to really gravitate to and attach myself to and be able to say that while, again, I do think that this is the weakest effort by Ocean Alaska, it is still just solid fucking A-plus material, and I think that's a real testament to how good Ocean Alaska are and how good they've always been. Number 45 is Up in the Air Forever by Ocean Grove. Not trying to get rid of all the ocean bands right now. This is kind of how this worked out. So, Ocean Grove, I was really eager to get new material from them this year because their prior album, Flip Phone Fantasy, it came out at a very, very pivotal time in my life and something that was able to let me, you know, kind of build this bond to Ocean Grove that maybe wouldn't have been there without that time period. And it's a really bittersweet feeling because, you know, again, it wasn't a great time for me, but I got to enjoy a band that ended up meaning a lot to me moving forward. So with Up in the Air Forever, I feel like what you get here is the core style of Ocean Grove, like uh, Sex Dope Gold, Cali Sun. They have that, you know, new metal feel to Ocean Grove that isn't entirely new metal, but it's more so like a modernized take on the genre, similar to Don Broco in some ways, but not entirely. I think Ocean Grove are having their own brand uh, unique to themselves, and that's really, really cool to get to hear play out. And then there are some other songs on here, like HMU featuring Lil Aaron, that I feel like doesn't really necessarily morph itself to Lil Aaron's style, but it's so different from other songs on this record, and it felt like it was crafted with that Lil Aaron feature in mind. All the way into the uh, title track that closes the album, and it has this really atmospheric and beautiful tone to it that I feel like is able to kind of bring together all the themes and ideas from Up in the Air Forever perfectly for that ending stretch. This is a, a really, really sick effort by Ocean Grove, and I think it paid off in a lot of ways, and it's an album that, you know, even if I didn't remember it all the way throughout the year, I could like kind of be reminded like, oh yeah, Up in the Air Forever, let me hear that. And I still love it in every, you know, sense of the word. Number 44 is A Moment of Quiet by Senna. I think this year's Senna acted as like one of the more low-key and quiet bands on Sharp Tone's roster, but I think they're also one of the best. So A Moment of Quiet is a five-track EP that you could not have asked for a better structure to. I think there are so many layers to this record that just eclipse so many other bands that try to do what they do. Um, the, I guess the best way to maybe describe what it is that they do, their website says that they cross the boundaries between metal, pop, and progressive. I think that's pretty accurate, and it's the best uh, summarization I can have for their sound, because it is very unique. I don't really know many other bands that have the sound of Senna, and I have actually, like been there from the beginning i guess because i reviewed rose hip as a single back in june of last year and then almost exactly a day you know a year later to the day 
a moment of quiet release and rose hip is the opening track for that ep and it is fucking tremendous and it shows off every facet of this band that i think makes them so interesting and you get these uh, you know kind of like again like pop and prog styles all throughout this record and the way that everything comes together is just so fucking great uh particularly the song jade i think jade kind of gives you the best inkling into what it is that they do and how goddamn talented they are especially simon on vocals like he is able to carry this style with senna just so perfectly well i think a moment of quiet is one of the best eps of the year and it's an ep that if you haven't checked out yet please do so because senna sooner or later with this style and progression will be one of the best bands sharp tone has to offer number 43 is inside my head by until i wake More than anything else, I feel like this album really shows how Until I Wake are students of the game in the scene and how they are kind of a product of where the scene has been heading for the last decade. So you have some, you know, blistering metalcore styles here within Inside My Head and then some material that is very much so along lines of like that clean Bring Me the Horizon aesthetic that I think they're actually able to utilize and wield really, really well. Like, especially on a song like For the Record, my favorite song on the album, and For the Record, just it flows so well and the chorus is so massive and it really just allows Until I Wake to kind of establish themselves as hoopers, you know, more or less in the scene. Um, and the way that they're able to take, you know, even something like, uh, undeserving and really have that be this song that embodies this, like, slower pacing, but still be immaculate. Number 42 is Bimbo Core by Scene Queen. These are literally the opening lines to this EP, once you press play on the opening track, bring it on. I'm messy, I'm agey, they hate that I'm heavy, I'm thriving, can't stop me, these boys they just copy, more Courtney, more Poppy, these scene girls they got me, Christina and Brittany, I'm Whitney, Zach hit me. And right from that moment, I was like, this is special. Scene Queen has something here, something that can really grab my attention in a way that other acts that I'm first introduced to kind of can't. And, you know, you can say it's because Scene Queen is a gimmick or it's an act or, you know, it's meant to be over the top, whatever the fuck it is. I buy into it. I love it. And I think Bimbo Core really kind of was the best way for me to have uh, the ability to put Scene Queen on a pedestal and say she is doing something really, really sensational with her material right now. Uh, like I said, Bring It On is this amazing intro, and I think everything else she's doing on here kind of has like that same essence to it. And I know she mentioned Poppy in that intro, and Poppy is maybe the most comparable artist to Scene Queen, but at the same time, when I say comparable, I just mean like in terms of how, like, I, I guess shocking uh the introduction to her material is because poppy really had that effect on me and i think scene queen not to the same extent for sure but definitely it's still within those boundaries and i mentioned pink panther in the top 100 series pink panther is one of the most fun songs i've heard all year and i feel like i can say the same thing about pretty in pink and pink rover like scene queen 
really has something going for her here. And I think despite how easy it is to just brush it off as being gimmicky and whatever, I think it works. It really, really, really fucking works. Number 41 is Love and Other Lies by Charlotte Sands. There are a few people in the scene right now who I think are blending together pop music with scene music in the exact same effective nature that Charlotte Sands is. And I have, you know, kind of been mentioning Charlotte for a minute now on the podcast, and there's a reason why I constantly gas her up and I constantly bring her up as somebody who can be a pillar moving forward because I think she is just a, a generational talent, to say the least. And with Love and Other Lies, you kind of get, again, what I said earlier, somebody who has this prowess in both pop and scene music. Like, want you like that and Bad Day, they have every right to be on, you know, like a top 40 playlist on Spotify as it does the, you know, new punk or whatever that shit is called. Um, the song Dress. Dress ended up being Charlotte's biggest song. And I'm checking right now. Uh, 34 million streams on Spotify as of right now. So Dress kind of was able to take on this life of its own. And it's really been able to get Charlotte more attention and be something for her to kind of, you know, uh, hold in high regard as like maybe her signature song and her calling card per se. Um, for myself, it's Every Guy Ever, the closing song on this EP that is able to just kind of cap everything off really, really well and make me understand even further just how much Charlotte is hooping on this EP and how much she's hooping in general. And I know, you know, not everybody will be sold on Charlotte's material because it kind of feels like it's for a certain ear and a certain eye. But for myself, she is putting out everything I could possibly ask for from somebody of her caliber. And that's it. Those are records 50 to 41. We made it through part one and... Even if this installment is, you know, kind of shorter in duration compared to what I was doing with the songs, um, just give me some time, give me a minute, and y'all will be fucking sick of me by the end of this week, for real, for real. Thank you for listening, I hope you enjoyed this installment of the series, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.